0: Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Kara tonight. And our topic is, is God angry? And let me talk about this a little bit at the beginning here. Um, Scripture read literally would certainly make you think that God gets angry a lot. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of passages about God getting angry and being furious and, and so on, even about God destroying people in his anger and so on. Uh, and yet there are these other passages that say that God is love, his, you know, he's good to all, his tender mercies are over all his works. How do you reconcile these? It's one of the worst and most problematic contradictions in scripture. And uh, I think there are a lot of people who read the Bible and think, yeah, God is really, really angry, because there he is being angry hundreds of times in Scripture. But if he's not angry, what are all those passages doing there? So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Dear friends, if you'd like to join us, please do. Let's open with a prayer. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we come before your throne, Lord, praying for your help and understanding your word. You are the one God of heaven and earth. You bowed the heavens and came down into this world. You are the word made flesh. Please be with us, Lord, in our hearts and minds as we open the pages of your word. Amen. Amen. And so grateful to be together with you, friends, and sending out love to those of you who are out online and on the phone and getting the audio podcast. That's a blessing to be with you talking about these important things. Pretty scary idea that God would be angry. I mean, you can sort of imagine if God is infinite, if he got mad, he would be probably really mad, wouldn't he? Uh, I think so. Let's go uh, to Exodus. Let's start looking at scriptures. Uh, At the beginning of your Bibles, the second book in, is the first mention of anger. And it's interesting who the first mention of, as far as I know, and who the first mention of anger is against in Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. And let's look at what is said about this anger here.
1: So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Oh, Moses was the first one he got mad at.
0: Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So Mo- And so that kindled makes you think, God has moods right and he was feeling okay and then he got mad at Moses because because you know Moses did something he didn't like uh, we're just going to be flying through passages as we so often do go to the right through Leviticus to numbers want to go to numbers chapter 11 and boy we are just skimming the surface here there are so many some of these if, if you wanted to, Look up provoke and anger or provoke and angry. uh, You will be flooded with passages. It's amazing how much that comes up in Scripture. Look at Numbers 11, uh, verse 1. What do we read there?
1: Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. Mm. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp.
0: Okay, scary, scary. <laughs> so uh, the, now, but you will notice that uh, we didn't read what Moses did that made the Lord angry, but there was something that Moses did. And here there was something that the people did. They complained. And then the Lord got, he, he wasn't angry before. He got angry uh, when they complained. Uh, But that's pretty scary. The fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed those who were in the outermost parts of the camp. Yikes. So that's, yes, that's sort of what you might picture with divine anger, isn't it? And look at chapter 12. This is a different approach somewhat. Verse 9, Numbers 12, verse 9.
1: So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed.
0: Oh, instead of, like, zapping them with fire, he just left. Okay, and then what does it say in verse 10?
1: And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper.
0: Mm, Oh, dear. So uh, this time the Lord leaves... And you don't hear that he actually struck the people, but they did get leprosy. And it's interesting, isn't it, that the Lord left and the cloud left from the tabernacle. We were talking about that last week with the word becoming central and everything. Now, um, can I pause and just ask you a quick philosophical question? Uh, Don't people say that God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Doesn't omnipresent mean that God is equally present everywhere, and if you're equally present everywhere, how can you leave? (laughs) You know, where did he go? Is it talking in terms of an actual reality, or is this the way it appears? Of course it appears to us that the Lord leaves, you know, I, I've spent a lot of my life feeling like the Lord was mad at me for, for one thing or another. You know, uh, we definitely have that impression. But does that mean that's actually how God feels or is that just how it seems on our end? Um, so I thought that was very interesting. He leaves and, and the cloud leaves from the tabernacle. And then, uh, but it was again, because of what people were doing. They, they did things. They spoke against Moses, Miriam and Aaron in verse one, there spoke against Moses. And uh, that's you know what started this all off. So there's always something that the humans are doing. Now turn to the right and go to Deuteronomy. I wanna to go to chapter four in Deuteronomy. And here's a phrase I mentioned earlier that comes up a lot, four verse 25. Uh, oh, let's read 24. It's so fun.
1: For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, mm. a jealous God. When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger. Yes,
0: you see, it's the doing of evil that provokes him to anger. You know, that's what the provocation it, He's not... I can't think of a single instance, uh, and I didn't look at all 300 of them, but, but I can't think of an instance where God just out of the blue just suddenly had a fit and was mad, you know. Like there's always something that's, that someone did bef- before that anger comes along. And then it says, I call heaven and earth as witness against you today, you shall utterly perish and so on. Um, that phrase of provoking him to anger. Boy, here it is in Deuteronomy, which is one of the five books of Moses. You see that in the prophets so much. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they all use that language, provoking the Lord to anger, it comes up so much. Uh, And I think part of what's important there is the idea that it's not just random or he's in a bad mood. You know, it, it, it does seem even in the literal sense that it's a reaction to something that people did. Look at chapter 6, verse 15. Four, let's start at 14.
1: You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth.
0: Yeah, now that's, that's hard because it says destroy And that's how terrifying is that, that that we would be destroyed if the Lord got angry. So it's a potent threat to say, hey, don't go after these other gods. But there again, there's kind of an if-then, isn't there like a consequence? We go after other gods, then the Lord gets mad and we get destroyed. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 31 because I just love this so much. Okay, Deuteronomy 31, verse six. Let us contemplate. 31, verse (laughs) 6.
1: Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you.
0: He will not leave you or forsake you. He will not. Okay, let's read in uh, verse 16. Same chapter.
1: And the Lord said to Moses, behold, you will rest with your fathers. That's
0: talking about when Moses dies. Yep.
1: And this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land Mm. where they go to be among them and they will forsake me.
0: Oh, so the Lord will never forsake us, but we might forsake the Lord. Right. So they will forsake me
1: and break my covenant, which I have made with them.
0: Then what would happen?
1: Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them. I
0: will forsake them. Verse 17. Verse, uh, where were we? Verse 6. I will not forsake you. Verse 17. I will forsake you. (laughs) Scripture sometimes has things that on the surface of it could be read as contradictory. And so you need something to help you understand. Well, wait a minute. You just reassured me. I felt good at verse 6. I was feeling good about that. Now we get over to verse 17. I'm unhappy because you're saying, but you got to admit, verse 16 said, if you forsake me, I'm going to forsake you. You know, it's, it's, it's not just random, like the Lord's going to get just sort of tired of us at some point or something. Uh, but, the, but if we forsake him, then he will forsake us. And what else? Very important phrase.
1: Um, and I will hide my face from them oh. and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us?
0: Now, there's sort of a hint there of the way that Swedenborg reads these passages, which it is really the absence. Our own evil causes God to be absent, to appear absent to us, I should say. And we then read God as being angry. He's he's not angry, you know. Uh, but because we did what we did, that's why he pulled back. Because it says, our God is not, among, you know, it's because of these evils that our God is not among us. It's it's our evils that actually drive the Lord away. Oh, such fun, such fun. Okay. Uh, look at the next chapter, 32. Just wanted to look at verses 21 and 22. This is a pretty scary one.
1: They have provoked, Oh, sorry, they have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God.
0: I like that. Mm.
1: They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. Mm. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation.
0: Now, it sounds a little sort of tit for tat, but, but <laughs> you still got to admit, the people did something first. So the Lord says, I'm going to you know, treat you the way you treated me. So I'll, I'll provoke you to anger and so on. But this next passage, I don't know how it reads in your translation, dear reader, but in mine it's pretty scary. Verse 22.
1: For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell.
0: Yeah. It's a little, little scary. A little scary. Uh, the, 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 the Lord's anger is going to burn to the lowest hell. <laughs> mm. that, that, that's scary. Okay. And what will happen?
1: It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains.
0: Mm. Yeah. Now, this is when I'm thankful to be a Sweden Because uh, when you know that mountain has to do with with love, the earth has to do with the lower self and all that, uh, that this is the way things appear when we turn away uh, from God. It, it doesn't reflect on God getting mad at us under certain circumstances uh, let's turn to the right and go to Joshua which comes up right there chapter 7 okay here again just just sort of establishing the fact that it's when people do things Joshua 7 verse 1
1: one But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things.
0: Whatever that is, it was accursed, and they did a bad thing about it.
1: For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah...
0: I just love it when our reader reads names.
1: (laughs) ...of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel.
0: Yes, that anger is burning. So again... It's in response to something that people did. Uh, And over in uh, verse 26, it seems like it sort of resolves there of the same chapter. Joshua 7, 26.
1: Then they raised over him a great heap of stones. It didn't turn out
0: well for him. No,
1: still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger.
0: Okay, so the situation was resolved, and now the Lord's not angry anymore. Hmm. Okay.
1: Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Acor to this day.
0: Yeah, so the Lord became angry, and then he turned from his anger. Now, is that really literally how it works? Let's turn to the right and go to Judges, which is the next book that comes up. I want to go to chapter 2. What do we have in Judges chapter 2?
1: Judges 1, Judges 2. At There's the just a
0: bunch of garden variety provoking the Lord to anger in verses 12 and 14. But let's go to uh, verse 20.
1: Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant. You which see, I, there it is. Right? Which I commanded- transgressing the covenant. That's, that's the bad thing. Yes. I apologize. Transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice. I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died.
0: Mm, that's so meaningful. Um, what that really means, the nations, how the Lord so sort of pushes various evils out of us over time, you know, gets, gets those things off to the periphery and deals with that stuff. And so because they transgressed the covenant, he's not going to push the evil away anymore. In other words, what that means is if we're not doing the covenant, he can't, he can't do it. It's not framed that way, but that's really what it means that we have disallowed him, you know, permission to clean us up in that way. And um, so that's, so he says, because they did that, I am not going to keep driving those nations out for them. Uh, Oh, and in three verse eight, thought this was important:
1: therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and He sold them into the hand of Kushan Rishathaim. Oh
0: I was hoping that would trip up our reader, <laughs> but it didn't. She just sailed right through there.
1: King of Mesopotamia. but can you do it twice? And the children of Israel served Kushan Rishathaim. Eight years. Oh boy,
0: that, that's good. That is good. Okay, that's, that, that's good the only reason I wanted to read that. Okay, <laughs> let's go to Second uh, Samuel. So if you turn to the right, Second uh, Samuel chapter six. Oh, this is the story of Uzzah who reaches out his hand. Don't know if some of you are familiar with the story. He mm-hmm. touches the um, He touches the Ark of the Covenant. Second mm. Samuel six verse six.
1: And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the Ark of God.
0: Now, may I point out to the careful reader that in verse 7 there, at the beginning, it's the anger of the Lord, in small caps, which is Jehovah, Mm-hmm. The anger of the Lord was kindled, but it was God who smote him. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of interesting. And what Swedenborg would say that means that the the Lord has to do with the divine love, and God has to do with the divine truth. Uh, so the 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 love side is what's it's a tri- the anger is attributed to that love side, but the truth side is what what smote him for his error. It's just interesting little detail. Um, so. Uh, there again, it's the anger of the Lord that He He touched the ark. He did the wrong thing. So a lot of things in Scripture could really make you think, who we better not do anything wrong because the the Lord is really going to get angry." Turn to the right and go to First Kings, chapter sixteen. Is that what I want? Let's see what I want here. Sixteen thirty-three. No, I've lost what, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. There we go, 1633. Oh, yeah, 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 this is Ahab. I love Ahab. Okay,
1: 1633. Okay. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him.
0: Yes, good old Ahab. Yeah, he got Mm -hmm. the anger prize. Uh, (laughs) And this is, if you've been following through in 1 Kings here, a lot of people are provoking God to anger. I mean, it's just covered with, you know, in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 15, 15, verse 30, 16, verses 2, 7, 13, and 26. You know, lots of people are provoking him to anger, but Ahab outstripped them all. He 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 really managed to make him more angry than than anybody else. Let's go to Second Kings. Just flying through here. I want to go to chapter 13? Oh. Look at verses 2 to 4 there.
1: And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazael, king of Syria. And into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, all their days.
0: Yes, you see, this is sort of a theme that comes up a number of times, is that uh, when people do the wrong thing, then the Lord's anger is kindled, and then they get taken over by their enemies. Again, can you see the psychological angle of that, that when we turn away from the Lord, then those other things take over our lives. Now look at verse 4 there.
1: So Jehoahaz pleaded with the Lord, and oh. the Lord listened to him. Oh. For he saw the oppression of Israel, because the king of Syria oppressed them. Hmm. Let's just read the
0: first bit of verse 5 there.
1: Then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they escaped. But you see in verse 6 that they didn't stop doing the sins. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But... The point here is that there are a lot of stories that show that not only does the Lord get angry when you do the wrong thing, but if you do the right thing, he stops being angry. He seems quite reason, you know, he doesn't seem to hold a resentment or something. He, 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 he goes right back to, okay, oh, if you, if you turn around, you plead with the Lord or something like that, sure, he'll, he'll make it better. Um, so I wanted to show that, uh, okay. 2nd Kings 22 how about that chapter 22 start at verse 17 is the lord speaking
1: <clears throat> because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands there you go therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. Okay,
0: he says his wrath will be aroused against it and shall not be quenched. Okay, what's in the next verse?
1: But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when Mm. you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place.
0: Yeah, so it, it... You know, he's mad and his anger won't be quenched, but if you did anything right, he'll take very good care of you. You know, it's, it's not like, well, I'm just mad and I'm fed up with all human beings or something. Uh, you see the tenderness in that, that. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord, I'll take care of you. You won't see any of this evil. Everything's going to be all right. So it's hard to reconcile these images of anger and love. Let's go to the Psalms in the middle of your Bible there. You skip through a few, you know, Job, a few things like that. And uh, let's go to Psalm 7. Hmm. Verse 11, because you get a lot of it. Okay, we got a lot of that in the historical works there, in the books of Moses, and in the histories. How about in the Psalms 7, verse 11?
1: God is a just judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day.
0: Every day. So, <laughs> every, you know, That might lead you to think that God was angry with the wicked every day. It, I could understand how you might get that impression from reading that. Uh, but we'll read some other scriptures soon that give a different spin on it. Uh, look at Psalm 30, uh, verses 4 and 5. Well, here's a passage that gives you kind of a different view.
1: Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Hmm. For his anger is but for a moment.
0: Oh, it is? I thought it was like never going to be quenched or something. His anger is just for a moment?
1: His favor is for life. Oh. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hmm.
0: So it seems like the Lord's trying to encourage it. Now it's just confusing. Because you just say, anger is just for, really, it's just for a moment. But we did see stories where he stopped being angry. I mean, it's it's true. We saw stories like that. Uh, Look at Psalm 77, if you would. We're just sort of amassing things here. Here are some questions. And sometimes these kind of questions in Scripture sound like they expect the answer, no. 77, starting at verse 7, down to 9.
1: Will the Lord cast off forever? Hmm. And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Hmm. Has his promise failed forevermore? Hmm. Has God forgotten to be gracious? (laughs) Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies?
0: See, here's the deal. Swedenborg says that the Lord is mercy itself. He is mercy. So has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger, you know, shut up his tender mercy? No, it's obvious that he has not. That's not the way that it works. It may appear that way in scripture many, many times, but there are other scriptures that that give you a different impression. Look at the very next uh, Psalm 78. Let's start at verse 49. Read down to 53. He's talking about when the Lord, uh, the sort of judgment on Egypt, you know, all those plagues on the Egyptians, if you're familiar with that story.
1: He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels of destruction among them. hmm. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death, but gave their life over to the plague And destroyed all the firstborn in Egypt, the first of their strength in the tents of Ham. But he made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that they did not fear. They didn't fear. But Hmm. the sea overwhelmed their enemies.
0: Huh. Okay. So some of these passages make it sound like, well, God is angry sometimes but then he gets over his anger, or maybe it's just even for a moment, but he gets over his anger. And then passages like this and a lot of the others we've read could also make you think he's mad at some people. He's not mad at other people. Like he was very nice to, in that other story, he was very nice to the king, took good care of him. And here he's very nice to the people, leads them forth like sheep. They're all safe. They're all fine. But he's angry. So is he angry with some people? And not with others? Is he angry some of the time and not other times? Uh, let's go to the right through Proverbs and so forth, get to Isaiah chapter 5. Just a few more scriptures like this, good and patient friends. Isaiah 5, verse 25. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, okay, All right. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Therefore, the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people. Yeah. He has stretched out his hand against them and stricken them, and the hills trembled. Their carcasses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still.
0: I don't know how well you know Isaiah, friends, but that phrase, for all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still... Comes again and again and again. It keeps telling the story. It says, for all this, his hand, you know, uh, his anger and his hand is stretched out still. So we read about his anger being for a moment, but this sort of sounds like, well, no, he stays, sometimes he stays mad and it it keeps happening. What is that about? Uh, Look at Isaiah 13. This is about the day of the Lord, some eventual day of judgment that's going to come. And in 13, verse 9, we read what kind of a day that's going to be.
1: Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it.
0: There you go. Anger leads to destruction. You know, the destroying happens. So, boy, this kind of maintains this kind of theme, doesn't it? There are a ton of passages in Isaiah about anger. Let's go to Jeremiah, which is the next one to the right, to chapter 3. Now, here's another one where it sounds like if we do the right thing, the Lord will stop being angry. Look at 3, verse 12.
1: Mm, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, backsliding Israel, mm, says that's right. the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. Uh-huh. I will not remain angry forever.
0: Not forever. But what are they supposed to do in verse 13?
1: Only acknowledge your iniquity. Yes, that
0: might be the point of the exercise. Just acknowledge, just admit it. You're in the wrong, you know, that you transgressed against the Lord your God and so on. You didn't obey my voice. But I'm not <clears throat> going to be mad. You know, I'm merciful. I'm not going to stay angry forever, he says. Uh, Jeremiah 21. Just a few more here. Oh, that's just another bad one. 21 verse 5.
1: I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm even in anger and fury and great wrath.
0: Yes, and I'll smite the inhabitants and they'll die of the pestilence. And yep, the Old Testament really specializes in that, doesn't it? (laughs) Just wonderful stuff. Look at Jeremiah 25. We had a fun Bible study several, several years ago called The Loving Jehovah and the Angry Jesus. It was fun. And we looked at this, all these passages about the Old Testament God being full of love and kindness and Jesus being all angry. And, and, um, and there are passages to, to support that view. But here we're sort of getting the other side of it. The Old Testament God seems very angry. Chapter 25 of Jeremiah. Um, oh, let's see. We want to start here at verse 5, I think.
1: They said, Repent now every one of his evil way. The R word. <laughs> and his evil doings. And dwell in the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers forever and ever.
0: Forever and ever. dwell it. So all you have to do is repent. Like even if you did a bad thing, you're still going to be able to live in the land forever and ever and ever. So that's not being destroyed, is it? And, uh, but you've got to repent. And what else in verse 6?
1: Um, verse 6. Do not go after other gods to serve them and worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you.
0: Yes. But, in verse 7.
1: Yet you have not listened to me, says the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, to your own hurt.
0: Yes, it's not you're not going to hurt God, but it's your own hurt. You know You're going to be hurt by taking this attitude. So I think that's a little clue how it's actually about us and how we're interacting, you know, how we see the Lord when we're in a certain state, rather than actually being something intrinsic to God himself that he's so angry like this. And let's look at Jeremiah 32. Oh, verses 37 and 38.
1: Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath. Oh. I will bring them back to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely.
0: Well, what about all the destruction that was supposed to happen when you got so all fired mad?
1: They shall be my people, and I will be their God.
0: Really? Go on.
1: Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good Mm. of them and their children after them. Hmm. Yeah, and I, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me.
0: Now, I think that last little bit gives you a clue as to what's going on here, that the Lord wants to form a permanent relationship with us. And so he says, I'm making an everlasting covenant with them so that they won't turn away. I'll put my fear in their hearts, like the fear of God, like, oh, I don't want to ruin that relationship. I, you know, and so some sense of the anger of God was important to get us to that point of saying, no, I want to stay close to the Lord. I don't want to uh, leave from this situation. So it says that he drove people into this exile, into all these countries in his fury and in his wrath and in his anger. And then he says, I'm going to bring you back. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. It's going to be great. So it doesn't sound like the anger thing is going to stick around or or be a horrible, everlasting thing the way some passages give you to think. Uh, Now, can you turn to the right? There are two passages I want to find here. Okay, let's see. Go through Ezekiel. Go through Daniel. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. One of the hardest books of the Bible to find. It's right after Micah in those minor prophets there. Nahum chapter 1. Hope everything is okay out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's start at verse 2, shall we?
1: God is jealous and the Lord avenges. Oh, he does? The Lord avenges and is furious. Oh. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserves wrath for his enemies. Yes, go on. The Lord is slow to anger. Oh, no, (laughs) wait a
0: minute. You just said he was so furious and full of revenge. This is a very interesting passage. Look at the reversals in here. The Lord is slow to anger.
1: And great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked.
0: Yes, he's slow to anger, but you're not going to get off easy if you're being bad. (laughs) Go on.
1: The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Mm. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt and the earth heaves at his presence. Okay,
0: so we should be scared, right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yet the world and all who dwell in it. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Yeah, that's
0: a good question.
1: And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? Mm,
0: nobody. Out with
1: his, that. his fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him.
0: So would you expect verse 7?
1: The Lord is good. The Lord is good. <laughs> <laughs> A stronghold in the little day of trouble. A little crazy making, isn't it? <laughs> A stronghold in the day of trouble. Yeah, he, he will knows, protect you. And he knows those who trust in him. But, but with an overflowing flood... He will make an utter end of its place and darkness will pursue his enemies.
0: <laughs> so there are not only contradictions in the Bible, there are contradictions in Nahum chapter 1, verses 2 to 8. <laughs> uh, the, several reversals of the Lord is good. He's slow to anger. He's really furious. He won't let you off the hook, but he's very kind. He's merciful. But if you're an enemy, you're in deep trouble. Uh, so sometimes it's very compressed in here. And turn to the right, just two books. See if you find Zephaniah there. Chapter 2. Look at verses 2 and 3.
1: Before the decree is issued, or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, Mm. before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, Who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger.
0: Now, it doesn't promise, but it may be that you'll be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger if you seek the Lord. So, before this anger comes on you, it may be that you'll be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. I thought that was a fascinating passage. Okay, so we have read a lot of passages that give you different impressions as the anger short is going to last a long time Is the Lord going to get over it seems like he does and it keeps saying stuff like the, you know, it keeps attributing moods to the Lord like like he heard that and then he got angry and then he heard something else and he felt felt better or he departed, you know, he got mad and he left uh, things like this have to be written according to appearance. I want to read some other scriptures. The first one I want to read actually is in the New Testament. Don't know if you can find the Epistle to the Hebrews. It's getting on for Revelation in the back of the Bible there, but uh, it's a passage I often cite in Bible study. It's thirteen, end of Hebrews, thirteen, verse eight.
1: But if you are without chastening, no, uh, oops, that's in 12, sorry, that's I think. twelve. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
0: Yeah. Now, Jesus Christ, first of all, is there a relationship between Jesus Christ and God? Yes, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is the same. If even Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, God is certainly the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, it says in Psalm 90, uh, throughout all generations, you know, You've, you've been our dwelling place and from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. He does not. I am God. I do not change. He said, you know, he says that. So why does scripture say so many times that he changes, you know, he gets mad and then he gets unmad and, and it feels better and, and so on. Uh, you, you have to. It's something that frustrates people about scripture because like, what is the truth? Why would it be written in a way that, that, that says something so misleading hundreds and hundreds of times? Or are those other ones just sort of throwing you a bone to try to say, oh, the Lord is nicer. You know, don't worry about him. I know he's a little drunk, but, you know, don't worry about him or something. Uh, you know, why, why, why would it express it this way? Why would you get both of these things? You really need something to reconcile them. And... Um, Let's go back to the Psalms. That's what I want to do right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 103, let's start there. Because there are passages that give you a different impression. Psalm 103, let's pick up at the eighth verse there.
1: The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us. For nor will he keep his anger forever. Okay,
0: he has now not, listen to this in verse 10.
1: He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. I don't know if
0: you've ever done anything wrong, uh, good friends, but I did once. And, um, <laughs> uh, and I have to admit, I think the Lord did not punish me according to my iniquity. Like, you know, he managed to get something good out of that. Uh, it's really true, I mean, If you really think about the infinite, omnipotent God, I know our lives are miserable and the entire human race is in distress. But really, if he's infinitely powerful, couldn't he do a little more damage to us than that? You know, than just the nice life that we have now where we wake up every day and we eat some food and all all that good stuff. You know, couldn't he do something worse? Is this really how mad he is that our life is this way? You know what I mean? Uh, that love, that everlasting love that he has for the human race is just amazing. And, and it's kind of, over all the glory, there should be a covering. It's sort of covered in scripture, but it still peaks out from time to time. And so I think that's a beautiful verse. Let's read on a little bit there.
1: For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Mm. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us.
0: Here's a p- crucial statement.
1: As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Ah,
0: okay. So it, it's been, been known to happen on earth. I did this with my father. My kids did it with me. You know, they, what do they say? You're, you know, you're, your dad gets wiser and wiser as you get older. Like, you know, when you're 16, you think he's unbelievably stupid. Um we see our our parents in a certain light, and but the but the Lord has compassion on us, as a father has compassion on his children. And look at verse fourteen. This is so powerful. And sweetmore picks this up.
1: For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. What would you know? Put
0: yourself in his shoes. You're the omnipotent God. You've got these little dumb, blind ants that don't know what they're doing. You, you're really going to get all mad at them. You know. <laughs> They don't know what they're doing. You know that. You know you feel nothing but but love and mercy and compassion on them. You're, you're, they're they're not worth getting angry at. He He knows that we're we're just dust. You know it goes on to say our days are like grass. We're like a flower of the field, and the wind passes over and it's just gone. You know, uh, really, there's you know what what's to get mad at? You know, there's not there's not much to us. Um, look at Psalm 145. Verses 8 and 9. I alluded to this earlier in the Bible study.
1: 45. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Full of compassion. Slow to anger and great in mercy. Mm. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works.
0: Now, that's a familiar phrase to some of you, no doubt, good friends, that Lord is good to all his tender mercies are over all his works. Think about that for a second, though. Haven't we been reading all night that he's getting all mad at everybody and he's mad at these people, but those people are good. And yet this says that he is good to all, all he's good. He's not bad to some. It doesn't say that he's good to all. And every single thing he does, his tender mercies are over all his works, not some of them. It's not. I'm going to be merciful to you. The analogy that Swedenborg uses for this that I really love is he says that the wind can't say, I'm going to take part of myself and get it to push that windmill, and I'll take another part for this sailboat over here, and I'll use another bit of it to move this tree. You know, it's, it's the same wind. You know, the Lord sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The change is not on his side of the fence. It's entirely on our side of the fence. So any sense that he's getting mad and getting unmad is about us changing our relationship to him. We're the only change people in the equation. We're the only variable in the equation. He's a fixed, he's a constant, we're a variable. And so it's our changing that changes whether he seems angry or he doesn't seem angry because his mercy is absolutely constant. Everything he does to the good and the evil, his tender mercies are over all his works. Now, okay, there's two ways to hold that, right? Like you could either say, well, I read hundreds of times that he's mad. And that made sense to me. I mean, I would be too or whatever. And uh, so when it says he's good to all his tender mercies are over all his works, I just yeah, blah, 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 right. Sunday school stuff or something. But, but he's really angry. Or you hold this one and you say, no, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. So then you've got to figure out what, well what is, about, what is up with all those anger passages. And then you think, oh, wait, that's about how I'm seeing it. That's how I see he seems angry to me when I have turned away, when I stop doing the covenant, you know, when I'm when I'm not practicing it, then he seems angry or distant, he departs, I get leprosy or whatever. Uh, but that's because of my changing, not because he changed. Uh, Swedenborg says that uh, in, in the language of his, his um, earlier translations, it uses the word doctrine. And in the New Century Edition, it uses the phrase often a body of teaching, which I like a lot. Um, What you need for this is a body of teaching. And a body of teaching, the word doctrine means teaching. um, That's what we do every night in Bible study. We try to get a body of teaching. If you had one passage, you could say, oh, well, the Lord's mad. I saw it right there. You know, provoked the wicked to anger, all that stuff, you know. And and, uh, so... Uh, I, I know that the Lord is angry. Uh, if you have a body of teaching, that's what we're always trying to do. Look at the teachings about, well, wait, he's full of compassion. Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. Then you figure out a way to get those to fit alongside each other by one being an appearance and one the other being the truth. The danger comes in, if you don't have that, and you really, really decide that, oh, no, God is absolutely furious. And there certainly are people out there who, who think that, you know, I mean, there are people who thought on 9-11 that he was just striking the evil or something, you know, and and, and uh, kind of changes your your God a little bit, doesn't it? Like, you know, if God is really that mad and destructive, it's hard to understand why most of us survive most days, you know, um, uh, let's go to the Proverbs turn to the right. Go to chapter 14 there, uh, because there are a bunch of passages in the Proverbs. We won't read too many of them here, but 14, verse
1: 17. Mm -hmm. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, Oh. and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Wow.
0: Huh. Well, didn't God sort of sound like that? Like they did, they complained. Then he got so mad and he started destroying people. And yet Proverbs says that that's that's stupid. Is God really stupid? Isn't he wisdom itself? You know why? Like, again, you got to reconcile them, right? Look at Proverbs 21. Verse 19. (laughs) This one's going to go down well with a lot of you.
1: Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman.
0: Hmm. I shall make no comment. Um, they, 20, moving on, Proverbs 22, <laughs> verse 24.
1: Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go.
0: Why not in verse 25?
1: Lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Well, I mean, these are saying
0: anger is bad, or there's certainly a type of anger that's bad, that's stupid, makes you do dumb things and so on. Uh, Look at 29, verse 22.
1: Hmm. 22. An angry man stirs up strife. And a furious man abounds in transgression.
0: Well, you can see that that's the truth. So these things are being really transgression, like evil and, you know, and foolishness are being attributed to God? In hundreds and hundreds of, you know, like you, it's got to make sense somehow. We've got to reconcile these things together. Okay, turn to the right and you find yourself in Ecclesiastes. Let's go to chapter 7, verse 9. Similar kind of thing.
1: Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools.
0: There it is again. Anger's like a dumb thing to be angry. And, and so, hmm, wow. Okay, you have got to kind of reconcile that with, with what we're reading about God here. Uh, Turned into Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 59. Just got a few more of these good friends, but... See, this is a body of teaching, trying to bring these things together and get them to to fit with each other. Part of what I love about Swedenborg's interpretation is I just don't know of a better competing understanding that can take all these different things in Scripture and say, here's a way to understand it, and here's who the Lord really is, you know, Mm -hmm. and banish some of those other ideas. 59 verse 2, very interesting passage.
1: But your iniquities have separated you from your God. <clears throat> and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, we read in those other passages
0: that it said, yes, people did wickedly and then he hid his face. But this makes it very clear. It's our sin that hides his face. That's that's what causes that. It's not just we do wickedly. And then he says, oh, I'm done with you. No, it it our turning that way actually has that effect. Our sins hide his face. OK. So I think these passages are, get more to the essence of a truth, if I might be so bold as to say that. Let's go to the New Testament, shall we? And I want to sail right through the four Gospels into the epistles here. If you go through Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Skipping all over the place, but it comes up all over Scripture. But here's 4. Verse uh, 26 is an interesting passage.
1: Ooh, be angry. (coughs) Excuse me. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath.
0: Now, there's a lot of people who practice that, you know, like don't go to bed angry or whatever. And so it's interesting that it would say be angry, but it says go ahead and be angry, but don't sin. You know, like don't let that come out in, in sin. And uh, look at verse 31. Look at this, right below saying, be angry. What does it say in verse 31?
1: Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice.
0: So it's not likely that he was saying, be angry or or something, you know, five, I love scripture. You know, this is context. You just go a few verses later and it says, don't be angry. You know, put that anger away from you with all malice. Again. Why would God have some evil trait that we're supposed to put away? Doesn't quite make sense. Turn to the right, go through Philippians, and you get to Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul again, same type of deal. Verse 8. Yes.
1: But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth.
0: Yes, that's right. A good list. And look down at verse 21.
1: Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Yes, in
0: the Old King James it actually says, Do not provoke your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Don't provoke your your children. So why would the Lord be, you know, does that make sense? Or do we have a different standard for ourselves than the Lord has? Um OK, and uh, OK, let's go through Hebrew, almost all the way to the book of Revelation. Go to First John chapter four. Just important to read it. Let's read verses seven and
1: eight. "Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love.
0: God is love. And it says it again down in verse 16. God is love. So if God is love, if the God is infinite, perfect, pure love that transcends all possible love, an inextinguishable, infinite, and eternal love... Um, He's not getting petulant. He's not getting angry. That's, that's an appearance, you know? Uh, and the final passage on this, I don't know if you can find it, good friends, but if we go roughly into the middle of your Bible, start turning to the right. You go through Isaiah and Jeremiah. Let's get to Lamentations. Maybe we can squeeze in one more scripture. <laughs> Lamentations 3, verse 33. Seems related.
1: Wait, Lamentations is before... Oh, there it is. Three yes, thirty one. to the right
0: of Jeremiah. I'm sorry, I didn't really help you get there very easily. Look at verse about. 31.
1: 3:31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. That one, this one? Yes. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. And listen to this. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men.
0: I think that's so important. He is not taking pleasure in our affliction. He, you know. So again, you have to put that beside those other passages. But to me, the divine love wins the day. Uh, really, the Lord is, 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 a, is the embodiment of love. Swedenborg says this beautiful, beautiful thing that, that was really striking to me when I, when I read it. Uh, because I have to admit, I was still sort of suffering somewhat from the idea, well, some days the Lord is happy with me and sometimes he's mad and and whatever. And uh, Swedenborg said, love itself, mercy itself. The Lord is love itself, mercy itself. He understands us thoroughly. You know, he knows why we do what we do. It is impossible for him to be angry with us. It's impossible for him even to frown, Swedenborg says. He cannot even get his face to frown when he's looking at us. You know, just like, oh, you're so cute. You know, he just loves us. He absolutely loves us. He's not angry. It may seem that way to us because when we're doing evil things. And so I think the Lord permits hundreds of passages that sound like he's angry because it does several things. One is that it does kind of humanize him and that can go in the wrong ear, but, but there's something to it. That he's not just sort of a, a, a force in the universe that doesn't care whether you live or die, or something. You know, he, he's he's engaged in our behavior, and it also really gets the point across that our behavior matters. I mean, it really comes across. Uh, if you hold Swedenborg says the idea of the divine love in your mind, you realize that he's not angry. You know, it doesn't matter if it says it hundreds of times; he's not literally getting angry at you. He he's nothing but love, but it. If you don't like the feeling that he's angry, keep doing some repentance because that'll bring you into better alignment with him. And he won't seem you'll start to see his his compassion and his love in a different way. Um, uh, What I want to close with tonight is is that uh, that beautiful thing that we read in the Psalms, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. So even though his tender mercies are over all the things the scripture says, you know, there's mercy in the fact that he allows this appearance of anger. But truly, he is not one whit angry with us. He's absolutely delighted and thrilled with us. And if we turn in his direction, it's just is the greatest thing ever. The angels are rejoicing and freaking out. And, you know, uh, (laughs) they just they love us so, so much. We can't we would be embarrassed. If we had the slightest idea how much love is coming at us from the Lord and and from the angels. Um, So uh, it's okay to sort of think maybe God is angry. I don't know. I read those passages or whatever. But Swedenborg says what is bad is to make that central. I'll tell you who God is. He is pure wrath. He hates. God is a hater and he hates, you know, and so you got to get on the right side of him, because that kind of destroys your relationship with this loving God that is trying to enter into a relationship with us. So don't take that anger thing of scripture too seriously. Hold, hold it lightly. And maybe as you read, you can start to see, oh, yeah, every single time he was never just random. He never just sort of struck out of the blue. It was always when we did something. That's when Scripture says that he's quote-unquote angry. How's that, good friends? Is that good? Is that good teaching? What about next week? Thank you, dear reader. Uh, we have no live class next week. Uh, we're taking a little tiny fall break here, and we'll be back with you the week after that. Thank you very much. Let's close with a prayer. We turn to you in our hearts and minds, Lord God. Thank you for showing us by bringing these passages together that actually you're not angry. You have infinite patience and mercy and you carry us all the days of our lives. You, whether, it doesn't matter how wicked we are, you will carry us through all eternity. Your love is unending and inextinguishable. We thank you for that, Lord, and we pray for your help in our repentance so that we are able to perceive that a little more as our lives unfold. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends. Maybe we'll see that he's not so mad after all.